You're listening to The Ghost of Dog on The Voice of Dog. And tonight's story is the first of two parts of Ghost Unlaid Forbear Thee by Tiberius Rings and Fruits, with special guest character Peter Gray from The Adventures of Peter Gray by Domus Voces, also known as Nate Hop. Read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. There is a ritual quality to the holiday of All Hallows' Eve. The masks, the lighted hand-carved effigies, and of course, trick-or-treat. But ritual, after all, is merely a pattern of action repeated that comes with the meaning attached. It does not care if those who repeat it know not what they do. As in the case of two boys, no different than any other impoverished youth, whose incognizant ritual is already underway. Please enjoy Ghost Unlaid Forbear Thee by Tiberius Rings and Fruits, part one of two. A ferret, seemingly in her sixties, had just turned around the corner when she encountered it. She needed a second to register what it was, but as she did, her mouth opened in a shrill scream that pierced through the night. In front of her stood a horrifying tall figure cloaked in mystery, looming above its hapless victim. The old ferret stumbled backwards and fell right on her rump. She got up quickly and ran, hurriedly, down the road and around the corner, making all the tittering sounds one would expect from such a surprised old lady. The figure, after watching the woman disappear into the distance, began shaking its shoulders as it burst into laughter. What a sight, I said as I opened the long coat of the figure from the inside, peeking out from it. I was seated on my best friend's shoulder, and the coat we had found was draped over the two of us. Together we were taller than most people, with my arms raised up. We must have looked scary. Simon, you don't need to scream that loudly, my friend Peter said from below me. She crouched down to let me climb off. I was still wearing the oversized coat and grinning from ear to ear like an idiot. I fixed my oversized hat on my head. Oh, she'll live, Peter. Don't worry nothing. I looked up at the taller boy. A wolf with handsome gray fur and a hat much like mine, though his hat actually fit him. Like a glove. Scared her off to death, you mean? He was trying to sound serious, but soon he was also giggling, and we were leaning against one another and laughing until our bellies ached. Normally, we wouldn't be picking on old ladies, but on a day like today, everyone is fair game. After all, today was Halloween. Peter, we should... My friend's sentence was cut off by the shrill whistle of a copper. Our first run, then we looked left and right, saw the wolf wearing the crisp uniform of the police. You boys, stop right there, he shouted at us. He shouted at us as he blew his whistle. We turned tail and ran first bumping into one another, who tried going different directions, I let my arms fall back and the jacket slipped off. I didn't mind, of course. It was full of holes. Would do us no good. Follow me. I know a shortcut, Peter said over his shoulder, flashing a big toothy grin. I ain't jumping in the river this time, I shouted as the wolf boy in front of me skidded and almost slammed into a brick wall, using it to change direction. I reached out and grabbed him by his suspenders, using him as leverage, and kept running. Behind us, we heard the sound of a very big wolf hitting a very strong wall. 
followed by a litany of profanities. We still didn't stop. I knew the city like the back of my hand, but it was Peter who knew his way like a rabbit in a warren. He was always finding new passages and hidey holes, new places to explore and find treasure. Not always. He also knew how to get us into trouble, more often than not. But it was always so much fun. We ran hard, jumping over trash cans, ducking under parked wagons, sliding through puddles like idiots, and then scurrying up the fire escape on the side of a building and into an open window. Peter fell onto his back and panted, his thin chest heaving up and down, as he gulped down big breaths of air. I flopped down, laid next to him. I was sweaty and tired, but I was enjoying the excitement we had. So was Peter. Say, Simon, Peter panted, his tongue lolling out the side of his muzzle. You ever thought you'd be doing this when you came here? Well, you mean getting in trouble with an American bloke? I sat up on my hands, swishing my tail behind me. Never. But I can't say I hate it. Our initial encounter was maybe just as sudden and unpredictable. Without too much of a sob story, Peter had found me wandering near the docks one cold wintry day. I had snuck aboard a ship leaving London and had managed to keep my head down the whole way over to the United States. I was processed through so easily I almost couldn't believe it. I was twelve years old on a whole new continent, I also didn't know a single person. I was just about to follow some older boys when Peter appeared, putting an oversized hat on my head with a smile. He said that he knew the bestest, kindest bakery in town that I should come with him. We'd been inseparable ever since. A pair of street urchins who didn't need anything but each other. Peter got up from the floor and stretched his arms. He was always so thin. We were always hungry, but we made do with what we had. You don't have to always stick around with me, you know, he said. A kid like you, you could probably find a nice fox family to adopt you in no time. I waved a hand dismissively. No one in jolly old London wanted a whelp like me, so who would want me here? Well, you do have that accent going for you, Peter smirked and then puffed out his chest. Standing taller with an arm behind his back like a proper gentleman. I do say you could be taken in quite proper and such pip pip cheerio and what have you. I rolled my eyes and got up onto my own feet and stretched. Quit it. You sound silly and not in a charming way, Peter. We were soon playfully tackling one another, rolling around in the dirt and the dust. And of course, Peter winning just by virtue of him being bigger than me. He helped me up to my feet and we heard whistling. Peter's ear perked. He walked over to the window, peering out and down into the street. It was still midday, and things shouldn't get too exciting for a while longer. It's a fox. It's Gerald. He's whistling and tossing that knife in the air. Peter was hushed as he motioned me over. I peered outside and into the street, and sure enough, there he was. A black fox. Like me, but what distinguished us apart the most is he had golden yellow eyes, as opposed to my green ones, and the tip of his pointy right ear was missing a small piece. Mr. Fitzgerald was a city legend. Everyone knew he did knife tricks. He once threw a knife right into an apple on Peter's head, after which Peter's hat was sticky for a while. What that fox did beyond that was anyone's guess. 
We knew he went deeper into the city and was sometimes gone all day, coming back well into the early morning, whistling and tossing his knife. I heard he works for the gangs, I whispered up to Peter. You know, the Black Sock gang? He's there, you know. What? My friend said, frowning. When I drew a line across my neck to indicate murder, Pete's eyes widened. No way. He's too nice for that. He doesn't say much, though. I looked down some more. Mr. Fitzgerald was not heading into the city, it seemed. Did he have the day off? He vanished into a shop and came out with a package not too long after. No more knife throwing, but we could see it tucked into the sheath on his hip. He's just odd. His brother, too, Peter continued. The one who works at the patent office. What's a patent? The wolf shrugged. I don't know. Something to do with patting things down, I guess? I never talked to him much. They're quiet except during block parties. I was about to turn away and go deeper into the building when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. The tiny wolf cub and a stocky coyote boy. They were sneaking down the road, hiding behind this and that, trying not to be seen. They weren't terribly far behind Fitzgerald. Well, look what the cat dragged in, Peter muttered as he cupped his hands around his muzzle. But I beat him to it. Hey, Gavin and Avery, what are you two doing? I shouted at the top of my lungs. Two boys below jumped in sudden shock, Avery falling down, Gavin whirling around with his fist up. When he saw us giggling, he scowled. You damn mutts! I ain't no mutt, Peter shouted back, still laughing. The taller coyote boy, Gavin, and the shorter wolf boy, Avery, who still looked a little spooked, quickly hurried over to the side of the building when we're up the ladder and inside the abandoned room quicker than you could blink. Gavin growled, and Avery was staring, wide-eyed. Avery, not Gavin, was the one who spoke up first. You could have got us caught. On a day like today, come on, Simon. I was trying not to laugh any more than I had, but it was hard not to. Gavin and Avery were two friends of ours from the neighborhood. Peter had told me at one time he and the coyote had gotten into a lot of fights and hated one another. Those days were long gone. Gavin sighed and lowered his fists. I swear, you mutts are going to be the death of me. Why are you following old man Fizz? I asked, plopping my rump down on the floor. It's Halloween, Avery said, matter-of-factly. There's a rumor, Gavin continued, leaning in close and speaking quietly, that old man Fizz is a cold-blooded killer. He also... Plays with his victims, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but on Halloween, people say he works for free because he can cut loose, so to speak. What do you mean? I asked, gulping hard. He's a demon from the depths of hell itself. He only acts like a regular mortal because his brother has a curse on him, keeps him bound, you see. But tonight, no chain. He'll sprout wings and fly into the darkness, and tomorrow there'll be a ton of dead bodies all over the city. And why on earth would you want to be close to him 
if he turns into a murderous demon. Avery dug into his pockets and pulled out a rolled up sheet of paper. He held it out to Peter and I. It was a cutout of a newspaper advertisement that was large enough to cover half of an entire page of the paper. Top of the cutout was the name of the newspaper, Crossbell Chronicles, and right underneath were the following words. Attention! Good citizens of Manhattan, please be advised that while this Friday, October 31st, is Halloween, we have had many unfortunate accidents these past few years. Please be on the lookout for any suspicious characters and report anything odd to your local constabulary. Be on the lookout for the following character. Name? Springheel Jack. Species? Fox. Fur color? Believed to be black. Eye color? Red. Appearance? Black cape and razor-sharp bladed fingers. Suspect has been believed to be able to leap as tall as a building while slashing at his victims. Do not approach if seen. Anyone with any information to the whereabouts of this masked figure will be entitled to the reward of fifty dollars. Fifty bucks, Peter said softly. Avery grinned from ear to ear like a fool. I had never seen so much money. If they could catch Fizz, we'll help, Peter said, putting his arm around my shoulders and hauling me in close. Split it four ways, even Stevens. Why would we do that, Mutt? Gavin scowled at Peter as he crossed his arms over his broad chest. Better to split the reward two-way than four. I pushed my way in front of Peter and glared up at Gavin, smirking. Fine, but when we catch him and get the reward, I don't want to hear a lick of whining from you, Gavi. You two couldn't catch a cold, Gavin said with a smirk and a hard slap on my shoulder. But may the best canine win. It was cold and foggy, enough to make a boy shiver under his coat. It reminded me of London as I brought my hands up to my muzzle, blew warm air across the pads, giving myself a moment of warmth. It had been nice and warm for months, but now winter was coming, and that meant being very cold. Peter was tucked up nice and tight in his coat as well. We had decided to follow Mr. Fizz. He'd been hard to find at first. He seemed to be going random places double-backing on routes, and once, I swear, he jumped across the roof of some buildings. Thankfully, Peter and I were expert trackers, don't argue with the boy telling the story, and we were able to stay close enough to keep an eye on him, but not too close that he knew what was going on. By now the sun had long set, and we were in a part of the city I hadn't been to often. Peter was looking around, tail twitching, as so we stopped at a corner and peered around it. This is the bad side of town, Simon. I mean, it's New York. How bad can it... Bad enough to don't come here unless I got a good reason to. Peter crouched down and watched the people. They were drunk, or rather well on their way to their drinking. These were older buildings. We were far from any place someone would live who didn't sleep on the street. We had been following a very simple plan. Follow close and wait a few moments before turning any corner Fizz took. It wasn't the best idea, but we were street brats, and no one would care two licks where and what we were doing. We were sneaking up to the next corner. It made me gulp in hesitation. I don't like this dark alley, Peter, I whispered up to the taller boy. You go first. You coward, my friend teased. 
and turned to walk down into it, stopping and then slipping back toward the corner where I was still crouched against. Peter looked like he'd seen a ghost. What's wrong? He's, uh, the wolf gulped. He then peered around the corner briefly and snapped his head back. He's there, but it's not Fizz. Spring heel Jack, Simon, let's go. What, what, no way. We need proof that he's Fizz, and if we can't get it, Averin gave him will never let us forget that we ran our mouths. I sighed and crouched closer and peered around the corner. Besides, probably just seeing things. You know when you're talking about something and you know you should just stop, but you don't because you feel like you couldn't be wrong, but you end up being wrong? That was me. I did not expect to see what I saw unto this day. It still sends shivers up my spine. Cloaked in shadows is a man. He stood in the darkness with some beams of moonlight hitting his form. He stood tall and proud with his chest puffed out. His shoulders were wrapped in a cloak of some kind, and on his head was a top hat. What really stood out was the metal claws. Long, sharp, razor-like talons glittered from his hand, catching the light as he wiggled his fingers. His face seemed to be made of metal with glowing red eyes. I had never seen anything like it. It was like a demon had burst free from hell and stood in the alleyway. I pulled back, but my foot hit a bottle. When it broke, I saw the thing turn its head. Had it seen me? I felt Peter pull me back and slam me against the bricks, my breathing heavy, but he put his hand over my muzzle. We heard the sound of feet running toward us. I felt a chill shoot up my spine. This was stupid. No amount of money was worth this. I looked about in a panic, heart thudding in my chest. I was preparing to die when Peter let me go and grabbed a discarded coat. He put it on me and then bent down. Were we really going to try and scare him? I was lifted into the air with the coat pulled up and the hat tucked down as far as it would go. Peter was shaking. So was I. But I stood, or sat, as tall as I could, my chest puffed out. When the man, the demon, turned the corner, he was looking down where Peter's head was and took a step back as if confused. It worked. The thing had expected a boy, but instead a very tall man was standing there. I didn't hesitate. slammed my foot as hard as I could into its face. I heard a groan of pain as Jack staggered backwards. Let's go, I yelled and leaped off Peter's shoulder running down the alleyway at breakneck speed. We rounded corners and alleys, skidding and almost falling, hearing something following us. We came to a dead end, that feeling of uncompromising dread flowed through me. Peter, though, was brave. He saw what I didn't. A small window, barely big enough for a person. And us being skinny little things, it was just enough. He leapt up, hauled himself through the window. I watched as his tail flicked and swayed and vanished into the darkness. For a moment I was left in the alley with spring Jack, and I turned around. I could see his shadow beam down across the street from the moonlight. Simon! I leapt up, took the wolf's outstretched hand. I scrambled up the wall and was pulled into the dark building.
It was long abandoned. The smell of mildew and cold was everywhere. It looked like an old factory of some kind. We tumbled to the ground and sat there as still as can be, Peter holding me close with a hand curled over my muzzle again. It was so quiet I could hear our hearts beating. I wanted to take deep breaths, but I knew that if I did, I would make too much noise. I had to be quiet. I had to be still. I had to hold myself as steady as I could, lest I give us away. We heard footsteps outside the window, the shuffling of fabric, and the growl of someone angry. There was the sound of claws across the bricks and a snarl of rage. Gone, was all we heard, followed by the sound of heavy steps walking away shortly afterwards. We remained in place for a few more minutes until we were certain he was gone. Finally, my friend let go of my muzzle and gulped, wiping his nose with his hand. <laughs> Maybe we should have gone with Gavin and Avery. This is stupid, Peter. I shuddered, looking into my friend's eyes. I can get our tails cut off. Relax, Simon, Peter said with a calming tone. If I ever got us in so much trouble we couldn't get out of it. Yes, I answered without any delay. The wolf shrugged. Well, this time I think I got what we need. You hit your head, we didn't get a lick of evidence. We were slipping back out through the window, Peter helping me down first, and then himself. He dusted his shirt off and fixed his suspenders, straightened up. I saw something flash under his cloak, he explained. It looked expensive. Let's get out of here before we start talking about it, okay? I took Peter's hand and started to lead him down the alley. I was starting to relax as we got back into the public street, hearing the light noise of life even at this hour. I felt my chest finally start to unclench. I am going to sleep. So well. Do you know of a good place to... The sentence was cut off when I bumped into someone, fell down on my rump. I groaned and looked up. Oi, you should see where you're... It was Fizz. Standing there with, of all things, a churro in his hand, looking passive while he ate it. He stared down at me with those golden eyes of his that looked like two full moons in the dimness of our surroundings, slowly chewing, taking lazy bites. This was the first of two parts of Ghost Unlaid for Bear Thee by Tiberius Rings and Fruits, read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. Tune in next time to find out how Simon and Peter discover the truth behind the infamous Spring-Heeled Jack. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Ghost of Dog.